0: We've been talking about Psalms 107 that says that the ships that do business, that they do it in great waters, deep waters. And for the last two months, we've been talking about the the deeper the waters, the bigger the ship is gonna be required. So we started with workmanship, poema. Then we went to fellowship. Then we went to discipleship. And two weeks ago, we talked about stewardship. And that's back to just you and God. And a steward, by definition, is someone that was responsible not only for the house and the house employees, but a true steward was responsible for the house employer. He was the closest the king had in his life, outside of his wife, outside of his generals, outside of his cabinet. The steward was the first man that the king would see when he got up in the morning, and the steward was the last man that the king would see at night. when you begin to understand that this is way past fellowship and we're glad we're here, when you understand that it's way past workmanship, poema, the expression of God, I'm glad for salvation. And when we get past discipleship, can we all get along? And the answer is no, we cannot. It all comes down to the bottom line is stewardship is finding this place where you and God are intimate and he can say some things and whisper some things to you that he doesn't whisper to anybody else as Jesus validated. He said, the prophets of old would love to hear what you just heard. So about two weeks ago, I, I, I began this process about divided waters. And divided waters, we broke it down in three categories. Number one, when the Ark of the Covenant through Joshua hit the waters because it carried the word of God, the waters parted. But by the time it got to Elijah. The word of God was so embedded into the mantle that when he struck Jordan River, the waters parted. And when Jesus was baptized, which was the actual living word, when he hit the waters, the waters parted. And the idea we we explained to you last night, last night, wasn't last night, last week. So what was the importance of the scripture says when they crossed over, it was on dry ground. And here is the answer, because dry ground is a miracle with itself because from one point to the next, from crossing from one side to the next, you don't get bogged down. Some of you are spiritually stuck. You've been stuck for 30 years. I told somebody at the ball game that I have a special gift. I do, I got a gift. You know what it is? Making people mad. I do. Sitting in this church, yesterday, I made them mad. I just make you mad. But I want you to think. Amen. Two types of people in the world, stinkers and thinkers. And I want you to think. And, and, and crossing from one side, from, from Jordan to Jericho and the promised land, from Elijah to Elisha and all these things and the baptism of Jesus, it wasn't a spiritual, a natural partying pathway, but we talked about last week. It was a spiritual pathway that man now can cross from the natural to the supernatural because of what Christ did through baptism. And it wasn't just in the water. And so we went through a long time last week, over an hour, sorry about that. But the idea this morning that God never intended for you to get stuck in your Baptist doctrine, your assembly God doctrine, your Methodist doctrine, your seven day Adventist doctrine, we're stuck. We get bogged down. And I told you last week, I'm not going to do it. I'll just wave at you when I go by. One thing about Peter, when he got out of the boat, them leaven they said, we're all going under. And, and, and when he got out on the waters, they said, we don't know where he went, but last time we saw him, he was headed towards Jesus. Let that be said of me and you. I'm not sure where he's going. All I know is he's heading toward the Savior himself. Crossing dry ground will keep you from being stuck spiritually. Some of you would like to come in and raise your hand, but you can't because in your denomination you went through, they said it was legal. That is not illegal. That's a man-made doctrine. The Bible said, I will lift up holy hands unto God. Some of you are afraid to clap. Oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout with a voice of triumph. Oh, I've seen some of you at football games. Somebody said, oh, I don't clap and shout. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I've seen you. We watched a ball game last night, and how is it that grown men will paint their face and they look like something that come from a, a, a tenth planetary solar system rooting for another team, but they get to church and they're very quiet? I don't understand that. I'll tell you, the kingdom of heaven is not in them. If it's in you, you're going to shout, you're going to rejoice, you're going to be happy, you're going to smile. We ain't got time to hook up at the fibrillator on you to see if you're alive or dead. If the kingdom of heaven is in you, something is going to come out. Now, we're not giving you a program what you should do. I'm not, that's not the way we do. But I will tell you that so crossing dry ground on divided waters was a miracle in itself that these people would not get bogged down. So last week we gave you all the religious isms we talked about Mormonism and universalism and Catholicism. Oh, we named them all. We got them all, Pentecostalism. We, did, we are fair and equal here. We'll get every one of you. And Gaila bought me a shirt that says, if I haven't offended you yet, I'm sorry, I'll get to you before long. And so if you're here this morning, I'm gonna get to you as far as the denomination, I'm gonna get to you because we're all Christian. We're Christ-centered. See? So we talked about it. And so when we got through talking about all the quirks and the strange rules and the regulations, and oh man, we talked about some weird stuff. Weird. The answer to the question was, does the scriptures give us a clear answer on how we could enter eternal life? And the answer is yes. So last week I spent a long time talking about what this cult believes and what that cult believes and what you got to do. And they're all based on two things, works and education. And Jesus comes along and says, are you worn out? Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Just come to me, sit right here and I'll give you rest. An apostle and an power." He said, I'll give you an it, it, it's a it's a retirement. You don't have to work for your salvation anymore. And then he says, take my yoke upon me and learn me and I will give you rest for your souls. The King James says, but it's a bad translation. Rest for your minds. Yes, amen. Some of you may be saved here, but unfortunately you're not saved here. Right. Because you got that look like I'm, 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 I'm working for Jesus. No, I mean, you're... You're making matters worse. You go into the, the field and the, and and you look at somebody and say, "This is what Jesus did for me." I mean, nobody wants to follow you nowhere. You don't have to say anything; just live a life, and then somebody will see a difference in you. And as Moses saw a normal bush on fire and would not be extinguished, the Bible says he turned to it. All people want to see is just you on fire for God and God never wants to burn you up. He just wants to set you on fire. He'll never use you up, he'll only use you. So this morning, this about crossing over and, 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 the, and the path of baptism is so important because what Jesus did on that day, that, that was the first time that heaven opened up on the other side and he said, this is my son and I'm well pleased. And at that particular time, that he was surrounded by naysayers, and 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 hackers, and 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 scoffers, and and they had been chanting in his ear for years, and finally he gets to this place where he hears his father say, "This is my son, and I'm well pleased." And Jesus basically said, "You can all jump off the side of the hill. I don't care. My father loves me." So. When when you get into the movement and what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning, we are not lawless people at all because we're bound by the law of the Spirit and the law of the Spirit is attached or adjacent to the Word of God. You cannot have, and I will say this, and all this junk that's going on in all weird churches, I'll tell you right now, the Holy Spirit will never validate signs and wonders to an error doctrine and a false doctrine. I do believe in signs and wonders. I believe in it. I exercise it. You know my life history, but I will tell you the Holy Spirit will not validate something that is contrary to the word of God. Amen. So they conjure up their own and they have a spirit and they have a Jesus and they have a following. But the apostle Paul said, it is not the gospel. It is not the Jesus and it is not the Holy Spirit, but you bear it well. That should shock us. I'll tell you what should shock you for you to sit right there and think that you're all right when you're living like hell. That should shock you. Because the judgment that's coming to America, it's not the judgment of of Russian missiles. You don't have to worry about that. The judgment that's coming to America is, watch this, it's a seared conscience in the church. And we can say things and we can do things and we can do every kind of things and it never, ever penetrates our heart because our conscience has been seared. Just hear me loud and clear. I'm not here to close line preach you. I'm here to tell you that the Apostle Paul says you, you that are asleep wake up out of your sleep. Amen. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord has got to say. The Holy Spirit in the last days, if He is, He's calling us to rise up and go back to what this thing is all about is to admonish and adore not only the natural Jesus but the Word of God that He represents. Amen. <clears throat> So do we have, do we have, out of all the rich legends I told you last week, of all the goofiness, do we have a clear and a concise way to enter to eternal life? And the answer is see if you're south of the border, or yes, if you're north of El Paso. John 14 and six. Jesus said unto them that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father, but I mean, now we talked about this last week for a little bit, we're not gonna talk about it today. In the Greek, there's no chapters and verses. So now then Jesus is about within just, was just in about 30 something hours, he will be crucified. This is what we refer to as the in-house epistles, John 14:15 and 16. No more crowds, no more miracles, nobody. He shut the door, he brings in his 12 and he shuts the door. And now he's talking to them in a setting knowing just in a few hours that he will leave this planet. This is what we refer to as in-house epistles. And he said, the time for me, I've got to go. And while these guys are eating chicken and, and, and biscuits and gravy, somebody pertains to it, well, where are you going? And he said, where I'm going, you can't go. And the conversation in chapter 13, Peter said, well, no matter where you go, Oh, we're going to go with you. And Peter and Jesus response says, where I go, you cannot follow me, but I will, I will come back. And then he begins this process in John 14. And so he says that I am the way and I'm the truth and the light and no one come to the father, but by me. And the question we left you last week is this, In all the religions will tell you there are many ways to God and it's a lie. And if you believe that, I hope I make you so mad that you just stomp out of here or you stomp to the front and repent. Jesus is not a way. Jesus is the way. Now, this morning, we talked about this last week about other religions had a way, they said to the Father. Oh, has some weird stuff going on. Weird, just weird, spooky, all kinds of stuff. But we have, to, we have to come to this result. Are they all right? And, and I, can I be so narrow-minded to think that Jesus is the only way? And the answer is yes, because the Bible says narrow is the way. And so somebody asked me one time, how, how narrow is the way? And I opened up the Bible and I said, that's how narrow the way is. And anything that's going around the scriptures is the broad gate and many goes and leads to destruction. If you want to know how narrow the gate is and how straight is the way, just take your Bible and open it up. And that is the boundaries of the entrance to the kingdom of God. Am I that narrow-minded? Yes. I have a license to preach and I think I'm going to use it today. How's that? So when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, There are seven sayings that he refers to the word I am. So this morning, you may believe something, but it's more important to me for you to understand what you believe, not just how you believed it. You may believe that Jesus is the only way. Anybody besides me believes that? If you don't, you're going to hell. Jesus is the only way. But can we back that up? And I don't mean this, and some of you are going, yeah, we can back it up. Well, then back it up. Let's have it. I mean, we're in agreement, but but let's say you go into the world and you say, Jesus is the only way, and they go, well, back it up. Well, the Bible says that I'm with you. Where does it say it? Well, it's in there. I understand that. But where is it? How do we know that? It's, it's important for you to know what it says. So there are seven, when he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the lie. There are seven statements that are made by Jesus. In the Old Testament, the name of, the name of God that reveals to Moses in Exodus 3:14. He says, I am who I am. So Moses, as you know, this story that he is raised in the house of Pharaoh, certain things happen and he gives him the left foot of fellowship. And for 40 years, he's out running around in the median desert. And now God has prepared him another 40 years. and He said, now, then I want you to go back and I want you to tell Pharaoh at an 80 year old man. Anybody here, 80 years old. See, Moses just got started. So at 80 years old, he said, you go back and tell Pharaoh, let the people go. And he said, I'm gonna tell you right now, he was my stepfather and I was his general in his army and he's not gonna let him go. And he said, but if I go there, what do I say? And, he, and God said, you tell him that I am who I am said so. That's it. I am that I am. In Judaism, when you hear the word I am, without dispute it's unquestionably the name is God. When you in, in Judaism, when you hear the "I am," without question, it reference to the name of Elohim or Adonai or Yahweh. It means God. Every Jew knew it. And matter of fact, that's why somebody asked me in Matthew is the only one that uses the word "kingdom of heaven," and the rest of them will use the kingdom of God because because they wouldn't even say the word God, so they used the word heaven. And, and Dake's Bible got it all messed up. Dake's Bible ruined a lot of people. Schofield ruined a lot of people because they attached their commentaries to certain things. And I'm just telling you straight up, when you attach your commentary to scripture, you liken that as scripture. And there's no big, there's no big mystery here The Jews wouldn't even say the word God, so Matthew uses the word heaven. Now the Greeks and, and, and the rest of them would say the word God, but not a Jew. They wouldn't even mention the word God, Yahweh. So he, he inserts in Matthew only is used the word heaven and never God. Maybe one time in passing to a, different, to a different bunch. So if you don't know the difference, there is no difference. The Jews were so superstitious, they would not say the word God. So he inserts because Matthew is written to the Jews. Mark's written to the Gentiles. Luke's written to the Greeks. So he uses the word for heaven instead of God because he couldn't say the word God because the Jews would plug up their ears and run the other direction. So when, you, when they heard the word I am without any question, the Jews knew that it referred to God. And by Jesus saying in John 14 and six, I am, he was identifying himself as God. So because you're good students of the Bible, I'm going to list you the seven sayings that Jesus says about himself as I am. Number one, I am the bread of life, John six. I talked about this last week. But they all followed him. They followed him for loaves and fishes. He was spitting out loaves and fishes like an ATM that went broke and spitting money everywhere until he finally gets to the point. And 57 says this, oh, by the way, if my father never called you, you can never follow me. And they all left. He said, I am the door. John 10. John 8. I am the light of the world. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. John 15, I am the true vine. And John 14 and six, I am the way, the truth and the life. In the Greek language, when you see the word I am, it always has reference to I myself, me alone, or only I am. So by the time the Greeks got a hold of this, when you saw the word I am, it has reference to in the Greek lexicon, myself alone, myself alone and only I am. So if you don't know this, the Old Testament for God is self-existing one. God does not need us. We need him. God was in pretty good shape before we come along. We talked about Scientology last week. Man, what a messed up concept. Scientology, Gnostics, science. But God is omniscient, all science, all knowing. We know in pieces and portions, but God knows it all. So by this, this morning, that you understand that Jesus, by saying, I am and, and probably in the next few weeks when I get back, we'll talk about all six of them. Why he referenced himself to the God of the, being the bread, the God of the resurrection of life, God of the true he, body. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and life, every Jew heard this and something sparked in between the left ear and the right ear. He is liking himself to God. He is claiming deity to God. Matter of fact, we have record. There's two more that I am statements of Jesus. And they are not metaphors, but rather they're declarations of God's name that not only applied, but equated him with God. So these others are metaphors because he's dealing with people that understood bread, understood a sheepfold, understood certain things. So now then he uses two others dealing with this, but they're not metaphors at all. Number one is found in John chapter 8, verses 58 and 59. We're going to read it. So Jesus said unto them, That Verily, verily I say unto you, that before Abraham was, I am. They're having a conversation, how great Abraham was. Oh, he was great. Oh, he was, he was our idol. Matter of fact, in this chapter, they, they say something like this. They, and Jesus said that, <clears throat> that if you continue to, to be my disciple, if you continue in the word, you can be my disciple in the truth. And the, and the truth shall make you free. And then the next thing these rocket scientists said was this, well, we've never been in bondage. That's what they said. And Jesus said, well, what about those little seven vacation spots, starting with Egypt and Assyria? All the times that you were in bondage and Nebuchadnezzar and the Medes and the Purge. What about all those people? Now you're, you're in bondage to Rome. Isn't it amazing how you can, people can come to church and say, oh, we're free, I'm free, I'm free in Christ and you're as bound up as the guy in a straitjacket down the that house in the nicest way. These Jews said, oh, we've never been in bondage and we're not in bondage now and all alone they were tied up, wrapped up with guilt, shame, condemnation, sin, and all these things. Listen, I'm just trying to get you to a place where you really see and take a good look in the mirror who you are and where you are right now. And God wants you to be free in him. But denial is not the answer. So he said, before Abraham was, I got news for you. Before Abraham was, I, watch this, I am. So let me put this in English for some of you that don't get it. He said, I was God when Abraham was on planet Earth. I was the guy that was speaking to Abraham. I was the God that had called him from the earth and counties. I was there when Abraham left his home at a tender age of 75. At 75, his father said, It's time for you to leave. <laughs> And boy, you talk about mad. He said, he said, Abraham was this great patriarch. Jesus said, I know. And while he was a boy and while he was on the backside of nowhere, I am. I was God while he was walking around. Did they get it? Look at verse 59. Then they took up stones to cast at him. Jesus hid himself and went out to the temple, going through the midst of them and passed by. They understood that he equated himself with God himself. Because at verse 59, when they heard that, they picked up rocks and they wanted to kill him. Because Leviticus said that anybody that blasphemed, being equal with God, is worthy of death. So they were just doing their religious duties. The Garden of Gethsemane, John 18. Jesus, therefore, knowing that all things that should come upon him, he went forth and said unto these, now then we have a band of soldiers coming, led by you know who, Judas Iscariot, with flashlight in hand, with chapstick on his lips, he's fixing to give him a big old goodbye kiss of betrayal. Jesus, knowing full what, well, what's about to happen. And Jesus said, knowing all things should come upon him, he went forth and said unto these soldiers, whom seek ye? And verse five says this. And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said unto them, I am he. Now don't go anywhere with that. And when he said that, the next verse says, they all fell like dead men. Now, pay attention to this. If I haven't offended you yet, I'm about to. Any visitors here? I'm glad you're here. It's okay. This won't last long. It's okay. That I will tell you that all through scriptures, that any time that a man or an angel that is in right relationship with Almighty God, when he comes into the presence of God, he'll always fall forward. Any man or angel that comes in opposition of God will always fall backwards. Just let that sink in. This display of mockery and blasphemy that's been not only organized but ordained to the churches for years, of waving a cloak at people and waving people and waving their hair and their hands and people falling over backwards. Listen, hocus-pocus. You can have your money back. I don't care. When you really come into the presence of God, you want to smit and kneel and humble and fall forward and bow down. And everywhere the angels come in contact with God or Jesus, even in the book of Revelation, and they fell forward before the throne of God and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Don't come in here expecting us to work up something and blow something and knock you over backwards. That's not gonna happen. My objective here is to present the word of God in such of a way that when the Holy Spirit meets you, what you wanna do is that you wanna fall forward in submission and repentance and bowing and honoring the King of Kings. So when he comes, and the, these soldiers come to him and he said, I am he. The Bible said they all fell backwards. Now, for, if, if you don't know this, I was raised in a Pentecostal church. I, I understand that the churches that I grew up in, there was people laying like slugs on the sidewalk. I understand. I'm not making fun or light of that. We couldn't keep a preacher. Nobody wanted to hear the preaching, but what well, we had people running around slaying the spirit everywhere. And, and, and before long, it, the church split, the church divided, the church split, the church divided. No wonder. You can't continue to do what we do here for 30 something years and be successful by being dumb. If we'll preach the word without apologies, God will take care of this thing. And I want to get it right. I absolutely want to get this right. And so when they said that I am he, see the word H-E in the King James? Anything notice, you notice about that? It's, who said no? Anybody say no? Okay, well, it's, I wasn't barking at you, I'm glad you asked. It's a small H and it's ital- italicized, it's an added word. Anytime you see the word spirit in the Bible the King James, Small spirit, it means your mind or your thoughts, big letters is the capital S, it's the Holy Spirit. Same way with he, I am he. It's not a big H, it's a little h, and it's an added word. English translators added the letter H-E. It should read, I am. And when he said, I am, (laughs) those that they thought could stand against him all fell backwards. It's kind of funny that not only they understand that him equating himself with God, but there are six times in the Bible where Jesus says this, it's all in Matthew chapter five. Moses and the laws says this, 14 times, excuse me, 14 times. Moses of the law says this, but I say 14 times. Now, look at me. I'm not mad. I'm trying to to teach you responsible Christianity. Jesus comes along with people that are not stupid. They're not ignorant. They're the leaders of the church. They're the referees of the temple. They know the law inside and out. They know the first five books by my memory. They know everything that they should be doing and not should be doing, and here comes our Lord. And he said, the very first rattle out of the box. I mean, I mean the first thing, Matthew chapter five, he says, the law says this, and Moses says this in the law, but I say, <laughs> 14 times. I'm pretty sure that he's not there to make friends. And somebody came after church, told me last Sunday, Will you quit running people off? I can't help it. I just can't (laughs) help it. It's just in me. He comes along and says 14 times within about four verses or five verses. The the Bible says this, the word says it, but I'm saying this, you know what he's doing? He is, he he is equating himself with God. He is the word incarnated among us and he walked among us and the word became flesh and he dwelt among us and he walked among us and in baptism, the word hit the water and when the word hit the water, the water is divided. And no longer do you have, it's the blood of bullocks and the blood of lambs. Now then what he did, he made a clear path that we can go from the natural to the supernatural. What Jesus did at water baptism paved the way for us. Amen. Wow. So let's look at it. We're going to go home. I am the way, I'm the truth, and I am the light. This was a definite article to distinguish himself as the only way. The way, the truth, the life is a uh, is what in the, in the English language, we use it as a definite article. And the definite article means to distinguish himself as the only way. Matter of fact, it was said well ago, Acts chapter four, verse 12 says this. Neither is there salvation in any other. No other. Say no other. No other. For there is none other name under the heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And that name is Jesus. There's none other. Mormonism, Catholicism, Universalism, all these isms are isms. And a true definition of the word occult is this, write it down. A cult is anything that adds to or takes away the deity, the sole deity of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And if it adds to or takes away, it becomes an occult. It's just him alone. Art not chaos? It's just him alone. It's Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, and Christ living forever. And he's living with this. And so by definition, the definite article means he is the only way, he is the only truth, and he is the only life. So let's look at it and we'll go home. The word ways. It's a Greek word called odos, where we get a word for odometer. Odos, the H is solid. It means a path, it means a road. Now, here's where it gets tricky it can refer to as a highway, and the word highway in the lexicon means right way. You better write this down because you get to heaven. If you fail this test, you may not get in there. (laughs) So any chimp at Frank Buck Zoo, if you've been here long enough, knows that I've always explained to you that Jesus is the way. The word is odos. It means a path. It means a road. He said, I'm the path. I'm the path. I'm the way. And this means a finished road. It's a road that's already been finished. It's not a road that the bridge is out somewhere. It's a finished road. We talked about last week, Jesus was the only one that came from heaven and returned to heaven. It's a finished road. The angels ascending and descending and ascending. They're already here, ascending and descending. It's a finished road. But here's where it gets tricky. Not only is a pathway, not only it's a road, which it is, but it can be referred to as a highway. Now that highway, you, you, you kind of think like highway 70. It's not. Because back then they didn't have highways. So why we, we use the word highway because the word highway, the word high is the word right. Philip, ask me if I can prove that. Can you, prove it? you know I can. <laughs> <laughs> Romans chapter 13, verse 11. Paul is giving this long dissertation about people being sleepy and slumbering, not being responsible as Christians. So, and that knowing the time that now is it high time to wake up out of her sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I wanna explain this to you. You've heard me say this. See the word time is tide, T-I-D-E. The lexicon gets it right, high tide, right tide. So what happens is, is that they, they, they had large ships a mile out. But when tide was low, the ships had to stay out. But when tide came in because of the moon, and that's another sermon, you know what that means. When when the moon gets the right relationship with the sun, it's gravitational, but it doesn't matter. When we get in the right place with God, things will happen. I'll tell you that. But what happens is that he said, now then, we have a small opportunity. The tide is about to come in. And it's going to be high tide or the right tide or the right time. It's high time or the right time. And it's closer than when we first believe. He's interchanging this word for high to right. It's the right time. It's the right tide. And when the tide is right, then the cargo that is somewhere else can be brought to humanity that needs it. So when Jesus said that I am the way, By by definite article, he said, I am the only way. And not only that, it is not only the highway, but it is the only right way. You ever wrote with somebody and you know for a fact they're lost? I'm going to tell you right now. We're not going in the right direction. So when Jesus said, I am the way, It is a path. Stay with me, five minutes, we're leaving. It's a path, it's a road. It is a highway. It is a right way. Jesus is the right and only way. The truth. Aletheia is a word for clarity, verity. Verity is a Latin word called verus, and verus by definition, Basically means to be out in the open, to be clear. But when you use this word in the right negative context, it means not concealed. Remember I told you a while ago, Jesus, if you own a King James Bible, this is what he says, verily, 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 14 times, verily, verily. You know what that means? Truthfully, truthfully. So if you have a King James, you'll say, verily, verily. So I want to explain something to you. You know what he's saying? Veros, veros. I'm not trying to hide anything from you. Here's the truth. I'm trying to make it clear to you about what's being said here. I'm not trying to make this mysterious and hide it and put it back in parables and shadows as Moses did, that, he, that he, he locked everything up into a tabernacle. Then he had a back compartment and it was spooky and there was smoke coming out of it. And matter of fact, somebody says, if you go in there, you'll die. Well, that was true. But so Jesus said, I'm trying to make this thing. I'm not trying to conceal anything. I'm trying to get it out in the open. For the love of my Father, don't you understand? I'm not trying to hide anything from you. I'm trying to get this thing out in the open that you can see maybe for the first time or see for a long, since a long time. The Word of God is true, it's clear, it's real. And we're not trying to hide anything. We're trying to get the thing out in the open. And this is what the Ark of the Covenant did. If you don't know that, they they moved it out of a stuffy tabernacle. And by the time David got it, he put it out in the open in the public square that people can look at it and they can come celebrate God. We're trying to get this thing, the word of God and the clarity of God out in the open. So what does the Bible say about that? Well, I'm glad you asked. And then when you ask and I tell you, they get mad and leave. Well, you should have asked. (laughs) Jesus said, I'm not trying to conceal anything. I'm trying to get it out into the light so you can look at it. Man. And lastly, this morning, he said, I am alive. Zoe, fully alive. The Greek says the quick uh, to expose a live nerve. Now we have some medical doctors here uh, we have some people here that play golf with the doctor. It's not the same, but we have some medical doctors here. We'll tell you that there's people walking around that have dead nerve endings in their feet and, and they've lost circulation. And even though you may not know it in their speech or conversation, they've lost feelings, they've lost nerves. And you may not know that, but, but before long, what happens is is that, that, that nerve damage began to grow and expand. and And before long, it starts affecting the entire body. Jesus said, not only am I the right road and the right way, and not only am I here to get things out in the open because once again, the Jews said this, but he said, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this. I want to make it easy for you to understand. But I'm life. It's to hit a live nerve. It's to hit a quick in a fingernail. I I tell this all the time, but for your vision, I went to a dentist one time. Oh, he's hot shot. I was his first patient, I think. Had a bad tooth. It's bad. It's bad. And I've had more tooth problems you can imagine. So I went to him. It's Sudbury. It don't matter. I went to him. Oh, he just fresh out of college. And and, uh, I said, yeah, I said, just, it's bad. Just, I want to put a shot in and pull it. I got to get rid of it, abscessed. So he sat down and he said, oh, we'll get this thing numb and the blah, blah, blah. And I said, what do you got to do, doc? So I sat there and he sat down beside me. He gave me a shot or two and he said, can you feel it? And I said, I can feel it. I can feel it. So he gave me another shot and he said, can you feel that? And I said, I can feel it. And that's how bad the nerves were. And so he said, uh, after about the third shot, he said, well, I can't give you another one because the side effects of it. And he said, we'll be gentle, we'll try to get out. I said, okay, so he pulls up right beside me and he gets right in my my space. And he said, you let me know if you can feel this. So I just reached over and grabbed him right here. And I said, you'll be first to know. And he backs up, he told that nurse, he said, give him some gas, just give him something. I will assure you that heating a lot of nerve, I didn't have to raise my hand and tell him when he hit a lot of nerve, my whole body moved. Not only is Jesus the right way, what's this? And not only is he here to make things clear, but here's the third side effect to you. That when you get in the presence of God, whew, something just hit me. John the Baptist, only six months older than Jesus, when the two women, them two pregnant women got together and they budded bellies, the Bible says John the Baptist began to leap in his mother's womb. He got in the presence of Christ himself and it was like a live nerve hitting him. You cannot, if you Only know Jesus as the right way, and if you have clarity of the gospels of his word, then every time you get in the presence of him, whether it be in a church setting or in the fellowship of another believer, something, a live nerve hits you, you can't help it. And if you don't feel it, then someone has medicated you. They have sedated you. And I'm going to tell you right now, here's some advice. If you go get a tape pulled, let them sedate you. But when it comes to worshiping Christ, don't let anybody sedate you. Yeah. Romans chapter eight, verse 11. But at the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, if he dwells in you, that, he, that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, There it is, your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. This is not when you die. This is while you're alive and well. So I like to preach long. It's okay. So I like to shout, he's quickening me. He's hit a live nerve. Some of you have been so sedated. I'll tell you, we can set a bomb off here and it wouldn't even affect you. Look what the message says. That if God himself has taken up residence in your life, notice the word if. The word if is conditionally, this is how you'll know it. If God himself has taken up residence in your life, then you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the spirit of Christ won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him in in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. And it stands to reason, doesn't it, that the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you as he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. And when God lives and breathes in you, and he does, surely as he did Jesus, then you are delivered from that dead life with the Spirit living in you, and your body will be as live as Christ. Amen. Amen. Word. Great word. It's a great word. So I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't, I don't need anybody to pump me up. No. Amen. I don't need myself. of Boy, we can get together and get the music cranked up. We can really get something going. Listen, I don't need that. I have him. He's alive. He lives in me. He is the way. He makes things clear to me. He hits every live nerve that I have when other people and my friends want to abandon me and forsake you and talk about you and trash you down and wants to kill end, end nervies in your life. He's come to restore everything that other people has tried to destroy in your life. And somebody said, well, I can't love anymore because he hurt my feelings. I'm telling you, we're getting you past that. Not only can you love again, but you'll love more once we get him in you in a rightful way. Oh, he lives and he lives in me and he's alive in me. And he quickens my mortal body and he's going to quicken your mortal body just as he did Christ. So here's it is, Jesus is the only right way. Yes. Amen. Jesus makes things clear. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and Jesus makes us fully alive. Amen. 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 Thank you. Father, this morning, thank you for not only the spirit of God, but the word of God. Thank you for the people of God that we house your word, that we house your spirit. And more than anything in the last days, your word says that perilous times will come. Antichristus, by definition, it means that we can't make a accurate decision of what's going on. And that's in the churches today. But we want to know you, first of all, that you are not only a way, you are the only way. And no man comes to the Father except through you. And I pray for every human being on planet earth that has never ever confessed you as Lord and Savior, would you begin to draw these people by your spirit, those that you have appointed in time to open their ears for the elect's sake, that they will hear the word of God being preached and their ears will be opened and they will respond to your word. And for we that have been sitting in churches all of our life, Will you allow the Word of God now to continue to be clear? Let there be clarity in our life. Let us get into the light and examine what is truth and what is deceitful, what is beneficial and what is deterrent in our life. Jesus, you are truth. And you just make not only me alive, but you make living for God fun. There's something very exciting when when we get to pray for someone, there's something very exciting that when we get to speak to someone about Jesus, there's something that charges us and becomes alive when we get to just tell about the good things of Christ and that your spirit in us. And for everyone in this place that has dead nerve endings and for everyone in this place that's been abused and misused, and thought their life was over. It's not. Give them fullness of life today. In Jesus name. And all the people of God say, amen. amen. If you believe that this morning, stand again, the Lord a praise offering, huh? The Lord is worthy this morning. Turn about three people and give them a hug. Say, hey, I like you. Man, my goodness. At first I didn't know. He is the right way. He is the only way. Communion servers, will you please come? David said, why does the heathen continue to rage? So here this morning, I wanna answer a question that you never ask. Quit taking the responsibility of the world on your shoulder that never was yours to carry. God, by the Holy Spirit, knows that you've been wounded and you've been hurt. He knows you've been lied to and lied about. With a careful eye, He's watched you go through life through ups and downs and mishaps and disappointments, dreams that did not come true. But somehow you always stayed the course because he's always had his hand on you. He would never let you go. He would never let you stray so far that you would not respond to his grace. This morning about stewardship, it has everything to do with just you and God. Forget what's going on on 4th Street, 12th Street. Forget what's going on south of town. This has everything to do right now between you and your father. Just let him love you for 20 seconds. Just let him love you. Just let him restore the dead nerve endings that other people has damaged in your life. Inside your heart, just cry out and say, God, it's been a long time since I've been in church. And your name was mentioned to a song and tears run off my face like rain because of the damage in my nerves by people and friends and family. But I I want you to restore unto me the joy of my salvation this morning. And I'm asking your Holy Spirit to make it so obvious and evident in my life that every time the name of Jesus, Messiah, Yahshua, Adonai is even mentioned there's something that quickens my mortal body. Father, would you just heal us this morning on the inside? We are your sons and we are your daughters. Heal us. That night, the Lord sat down with his disciples and just a few hours before the massacre would begin. he brings out two elements that's very common to the Jews, the bread and the cup. It's a different setting now. It's a different language now. And once again, he said that for 1,500 years that the law of Moses at the first Passover instructed you to do this. But now then I say to you that as man came from the heavens and your fathers ate of it and they did hunger, but I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven. And if any man eat of me, he will never hunger again. And he took the cup and he said, the law of Moses said that this is the blood of the lamb that was taken in the first Passover and placed in the shape of a cross. But now I say to you that I am the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and my father will take my blood in the shape of a cross for the present of your sins. this morning we have the wonderful opportunity once again of remembering the last things that Christ gave instruction it was through the cup and it was through the bread and my prayer for you this morning for whoever comes and receives Holy Communion you're all invited that dead endings in your nerves will be healed the people that has wounded you And you've lost feelings in certain parts of your heart that God would begin to quicken your mortal body. That you begin to love him and love others like you've never known before. In Jesus' name, amen.